Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast, a place for fun, fandoms, friendship, and most importantly, fangirling. I'm Julie, and today we're chatting all about an amazing documentary that focuses on the life of Michael J. Fox. That's right, folks, a.k.a. Marty McFly. And who better to fangirl with us today than our fellow Back to the Future fan, Miss China. Welcome back, friend. Hello, hello. I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, friends. This was an amazing documentary. It was raw. It was inspiring. It checked all the boxes for documentaries that are on my radar, documentaries I want to watch, documentaries I want to see nominated. What were your initial thoughts? I think I started crying before the actual title scene happened. (laughs) And (laughs) I, so I have such a love for Back to the Future and just his story is so, it's so heartbreaking, but also so powerful because he doesn't let it affect him as a person. Right. Literally, the, the whole opening sequence, I'm like, don't cry, don't cry, don't do it. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was amazing. I definitely think it should win awards. I definitely think it will make his book sell like crazy, even though mm-hmm. it came out like three years ago. I definitely think the editors should win every single award because that was like my biggest. T- I was texting people who I know went to film school with me and our editors being like, yo, you have to see this. This is insane what they do with this film. Insane. Highly recommend 10 out of 10, five stars. Go watch it now. There were some heartbreaking moments. There were some sad moments. There were some very raw moments, but the whole story in general was inspiring. So, for those of you who don't know, the documentary is called Still and it's on Apple TV. It is worth seeing. Are you ready for some tea? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Pour the tea. All right. This is the part of the show where we spell the tea. This means spoilers. So if you have not watched the Michael J. Fox documentary, still, we are about to spoil it for you. For those of you who don't know, Michael J. Fox was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease back in the early 90s. And he did not come out to the public about this disease till like 97. It happened at the height of his career. Right. And then he he kept it a secret as much as he possibly could until he couldn't anymore. And then... He went public with it. And even when he went public with it, I don't think the whole gravity of what it meant, like the way they explain in the documentary, the gravity of what it meant and what was going to mean for his career and his life wasn't really hitting the public until it became like visually apparent that something was wrong. I didn't know what Parkinson's disease was till he came out with it, till he told his story in all the all the interviews about it. And I remember my dad telling me this was a big deal because he looked fine during that interview. He carried himself beautifully. Like I'm watching it with him and he was just trying to physically explain what it does to the body. And at 10, I am not Dr. Julie Hauser (laughs) and could not fully comprehend the, the disease in itself. And so for those of you who don't know, Parkinson's disease is a disorder of the central nervous system that affects movement, often including tremors. Yeah. And I think what was a big part of him coming out and people not understanding was because he was so young and like people are used to this diagnosis coming for people who are of an older age Mm -hmm. and he was like in his 20s like late 20s or something right right and again at the height of his career he was doing all these amazing things he hit it for so long so no one really understood like but yeah for them to see someone so young be diagnosed with something 
it just kind of shocked everyone and everything. And so I fell in love with the Back to the Future series. It's pretty young, right? right? But I didn't have a concept of like he was sick or whatever because he wasn't during the films. I'm purely Back to the Future, like Marty McFly. Mm-hmm. That's my homie. Like I'm about it, right? Right. When I was in college, we had this like program that was like script to screen. So oh, like okay. they would bring in people from different movies and they would like have the script and it was like the director and the writers and they would read the script and we'd watch the movie and all this stuff. So we did this and as like a back to the future nerd, obviously I was going okay. and we like dress, we like dressed up, we like different eras of, you know, the different back to the future movies and all this stuff or whatever. DeLorean was parked outside. Christopher Lloyd, who lives in the Santa Barbara area, surprised us and showed up. And was like reading some of the lines, some of the famous lines on stage with the rest of the writers and like fangirled out hard, right? Christopher Lloyd actually stayed to watch the movie with us. He was like eight seats away from me reciting. He was reciting his lines in the aisles, like talk. It was the most fangirl moment of my life. The, The love that I have for Back to the Future is hardcore. And it started at a younger age. And at that point, I didn't know that he was, that there was any kind of diagnosis about Michael J. Fox. I didn't know anything, right? right? I I was too young. I mean, I was like maybe seven, okay. eight when that had happened. And I only, what I knew about him was just based on that movie. When this documentary was announced, I literally texted another friend of mine who was at that event with me, who we both have a huge love. She was dressed up as Marty McFly at that event. <laughs> like, yeah, she was Marty McFly. I was like in a 1980s like prom vibe and then someone else was like in like the 1885 western feet like our our friend group went all out and we won the like the prizes which were like blu-ray discs of the black the future movies or whatever yeah Uh. so anyways so (laughs) we're such nerds (laughs) such nerds so hard but yeah so like everything i knew was part of those movies and so when it's when this documentary was announced i was like i have to go see this Mm -hmm. like i was about to fly to park city utah to go see it premiere at Sundance. Like that's how Whoa. serious I was. That's how serious I was. Like I love Back to the Future and everyone involved. Like Christopher Lloyd, when he came out in The Mandalorian, girl, I yelled at the screen. Like I am <laughs> such a fan. <laughs> I'm such a fan. So yeah, when this movie came out, I was dead serious. I was like, I need to see it now. Me going to Sundance didn't work out very well. I can't drive in the snow. Very dangerous for me. But when it came to Apple Plus, I was like, I gotta see it. I don't care. We're taking a whole movie night. It's going on. What caught you in your feels? Because there were a lot of feelings. A lot of feelings. The two that got me were him and his dad and him and his wife. I think a lot of creative people can relate to like, if, you're, if your parent isn't also a creative person, it is hard to explain that world to them. I definitely am a, was a film major. Me explaining it to my, in, my parents who came from another country who didn't really understand that world like they don't really understand that world I'm very fortunate to have parents who were like we don't get it but just tell me where you need me to be and what to do and I'm gonna do it I'm very fortunate to have that Mm -hmm. there are a lot of creative people I know that don't have that so when he was uh, talking about his dad not really understanding or not really sure whether or not his family was gonna feel some type of way about it I'm like damn I was expecting this to go on a route of being like oh man did your family not support you like damn But then when his dad was like, okay, get in the car. We're, we're going to Hollywood. And what did he say? Like, I love this line. I like wrote it down in like my little quote book. It was like, well, if you're going to be a lumberjack, you might as well be in the forest. Yes. I was like, damn dad. Like that's a line. That's a line. So he drove him out to Hollywood. He paid for everything on his credit card. And the thing is like he drove him to every 
audition mm-hmm. and every meeting, but he didn't go in with him. He was like, this is your thing. You're going to do it on your own. And I love that. I used to work for the theater and dance department. I know a lot of dance moms, right. I know a lot of dance moms, a lot of dance parents, and they're very in the moment right there with their kid all the time for him to have that freedom and trust him in that moment. I just, I loved it. I love to see it. I just love that parent dynamic. Uh, no, I'm right there with you. The love story with his wife. Oh, man. Was not mentally prepared for that one. I knew that they met on on the show that they did together. Mm-hmm. But the backstory of how she put him in his place. Which I loved. But also how he just fell for her harder. Seeing them present day. Just yeah. her standing by his side at his doctor's appointments. Everything. I'm like, oh, the epitome of what love should be. Right. And they've made it last. They've, you know, they've obviously had their hurdles and whatnot through their lifetime, but I was just so moved. And I was like, oh, this is the part. This is the part where I cry. Okay. Wasn't it? I thought it was going to be something Parkinson's related. No, it's their love story. Yeah. And like the thing with their marriage, which, you know, again, I didn't know the timeline of anything. Mm -hmm. So like he got his diagnosis like three years into their marriage. When he talks about how he got the diagnosis and then went and told Tracy about it, And her response was just in sickness and in health. Right. Girl, I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Yep. That's that's the only thing she said was in sickness and in health. Yep. That's the woman. That's that's a wife. Yep. That's a wife. Go ahead, girl. Go ahead. (laughs) What caught you off guard? So as like a back to the future like lover, right? Love this movie. The scenes where they were talking about like how that whole thing went down. I don't even know, like, it just made me tired watching it. You know what I mean? How like, is that legal? <laughs> yeah, that part too. Like, how is that legal? How is that legal? Not even just like the, you know, them coming to him, meaning like, we want you for this script. And then the show people being like, I mean, you can do it if you can do both. Right. And like watching him, like literally have drivers picking up, picking him up, sleeping in the car, going from one set to the other set. Like, it just makes both things way more impressive. The boy was like half asleep, mm-hmm. like for real though. He he basically, he basically was a walking, sleeping person while he shot all these films because he was doing both. Right. But like he had maybe what, like three hours of sleep back and forth. Like the scenes were insane. This is California. How did yeah. the eight hour turnaround rule not apply to him? But the dedication that he had to both, to all of the projects that he mm-hmm. worked on was so insane. I had no idea he was a high school dropout. And knowing his backstory, he was like, do I stay in school or get and get beat up or do I pursue my dreams? And with his dad just backing him up and saying, you sure you want to do this? And he was like a thousand percent. And yeah. a parent that goes to bat for their kids like that. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I'm down for you. One thousand percent. Right. My favorite kind of parents. And like, I'm really glad that he did have that kind of like drive to go after his dreams because like now you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. He only had so many years with his talent before, mm-hmm. you know, he had to adjust his life to mm-hmm. his situation, you know? So I'm I really mean, glad that he had done that. He definitely had youth on his side too. He looks mm-hmm. way younger than what he is to this oh. day. I still think. To this day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when you're 16 or 17 and passing as a 12 year old, you run with that, sir. Yeah. <laughs> you make that work for you. So there were some very heartbreaking moments in this movie and very raw moments. One of the most heartbreaking moments for me to watch, but they did an amazing job highlighting it 
I will say that is how they highlighted how he was hiding his Parkinson's disease. They showed oh. every moment where he knew how to work the camera to make it look like he was just constantly had to move. So he was holding a phone and just constantly moving the phone around and yeah. or moving the base of the phone. And they cut to him sitting in a chair with a, a blanket over his lap. But you could, he hi, he made a point of highlighting his tricks to cover his Parkinson's. And it was building up to this moment where he could not hide anymore. And he's mm -hmm. in his, his green room, his dressing room, where he's having a tremor. And all he can do is punch a wall and make it look like he's just having a bad day and nobody wanted to bug him because, oh no, he's just letting out some aggression, guys. Don't, don't bug him. And he's punching yeah. a wall. You feel the anxiety he's going through with how he can't hide this anymore. But he did a beautiful job explaining all of his emotions. And yeah. that that's why I want it nominated. I, I just thought it was so good at telling the the hard parts of the story. One of my heartbreaking moments where I remember like watching the screen and being like, oh my God, I don't know what's about to happen right now. You know, where he's like, you know, he's sitting down, he's talking present day and he like stops. He says he needs to take a break and he needs pills now. And he, they gave him the pills and the guy's like, are you okay? Like, do you need to stop? And he goes, I should have stopped 10 minutes ago. I needed, I needed pills 10 minutes ago. And I was like, oh my God, what is about to happen on the screen right now? Right. Um, and the way he explains it to the interviewer is they're like, well, you know, is it just you waiting? Like, how, how do you feel? Like, what's the process in your body? Like, what are you feeling? And he says, like, he's just waiting for a bus. Yeah. And that's what he tells people. He's like, I'm waiting for the bus. And like, everyone knows what that means. Like, he's just very calm, like waiting for the pills to kick in. And then like, when the interview continues, they're like, He's like, yeah, I'm on the bus now. And that's like, and that was like really hard to watch, but it was the reality of his situation. All right. Now that we got through the hard part, what was the most inspiring moment for you throughout this whole documentary? Um, outside of, you know, him as a person being as amazing and not letting it define him. I loved him becoming an actor, getting the role for the show and how like no one, like the producer, whoever it was, like didn't want him. They were like, we don't want him. Like we'll never have Michael J. Fox. And they're like, just test him out. Like, right. Just see what happens. And he's talking about how he delivered the one line and he got all these laughs and one, you know, one line after another laugh after laugh. And he was like, he's like, I knew I had them because I think I'm like paraphrasing, but what he says is like, he found a way to connect with people in a way that all they could do was break out in laughter. Like they couldn't even help the fact that they didn't want him right? because he was just that good and just that funny. They're like, oh, I really don't want you, but I really can't help but laugh right now. And I love that. Whoever, I think he was a producer was like, you know, he's funny, but like, I don't see him being on a lunchbox because yeah. he's just not that heartthrob. The fact that he sent him the lunchbox with his name, with his face on it. It was like, love Michael J. Fox. I'm like, so that's the amount Chef's of petty kiss. I love in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> I just, I love that so much. Um, just being like, you know what? You don't have to believe in me. I believe in me. Yeah. And that's enough. I loved how he was so determined to tell his story before he got to the point where it was too late. Yeah. More than anything. Yeah. I love that he was able to tell his story back in the 90s before the press broke the news. 
same. I love that so much because now I feel like there's so much of an invasive, we got to break the story feel Yeah, about everything that like, you don't get to, like these people don't get to tell their story on their terms in the way that makes sense to them in a way that is personal and important to them. And that's just, you know, kind of how things are now, which is really sad. Right. But the way that he was able to do it, I I mean, I applaud him, his family, everyone around him who knew, but like held it together and let him do this on his own terms. And now it is time for the spotlight of the week. Tax Pros, an award-winning tax firm dedicated to providing their clients with a full range of advanced tax planning and tax resolution services. With three locations in Southern California, TaxPros is there to meet you where you are, offering phone and video appointments. Learn more or book an appointment today at TaxPros, taxprose.com. Disclaimer time. We here at the Fangirls Podcast are not affiliated with the following. Apple TV, Michael J. Fox, yeah, anyone or everyone involved with the making of the movie still. We're just really big fans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.